Welcome into State of Play, episode two, season three. I'm really excited to kind of keep going. This is going to be a very, not only a fun and informational, but, but probably one of my best episodes to talk about what we can do to help the game, sports, and just people in general. Um, so kind of leading off today is going to be my friend Joe Herman. We played together at Saginaw Valley. We were teammates. We came in the exact same year together. We were both redshirted. Um, we both had a great senior year campaign. You know, behind us, as, as you click over to Joe in a second, you're going to see the exact same 2003 uh, conference championship plaque. You're going to see the uh, Hall of Fame uh, banner that we were both inducted into a good bit of years ago. You're going to see a picture of him running down the field with Johnny and Joey DiGiorgio as we scored a touchdown, uh, I believe, on a maybe a fumble recovery that Joey picked up. But I'm also going to get a chance to talk to our friend Todd Harriman. He's going to jump on, and we're going to talk a little bit about his experience playing in the NFL, his experience playing with the Eagles, and kind of what he's seen change throughout sports, um, college and pro and kind of get maybe his thoughts and his ideas of, you know, how he sees the Eagles moving forward, who don't seem that far off, but like any NFL team that doesn't win the Super Bowl, uh, they're always just just one, maybe one player away. And then I'm going to wrap up and I'm going to talk about one change that I drastically want to see in college athletics, that as you're kind of seeing the, the changing of the guard in, in college sports, something that I just think we really need to move forward with, something that is really kind of almost driving me crazy in a way. But, but first, First of all, I want to welcome my friend Joe. Joe is the Director of Business Development with Match One Medical. I've known, again, Joe for a long time. Joe, thanks for coming on the podcast and talking for a little bit. Yeah, You're welcome, and, and thanks for having me, Dan. Joe, here's the thing. You are not only a friend of mine, we've known each other for a good while, you are the premier salesman, maybe in the Midwest. You were selling knives at Saginaw Valley <laughs> while we were playing college football. Listen, me and Joe can tell stories about the workouts. We did all the same stuff those kids uh, nowadays are doing and kids all throughout careers of college football and sports have done. Joe would be in the back of his van, getting really ready to go on a knife sale um, to sell those like those butcher blocks of knives. Joe, you remember those days? I mean, what a, what a day we've come from where when you were selling knives out of the back, legitimate knives, by the way, like steak knives. That probably didn't sound good, but legitimate knives sets out of the back of a van. And now you're the director of business development for a really good company. Man, how have we gotten to this point, Joe? Uh, yeah, so uh, really, it's 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 mostly been about hustle. And um, you remember Coach Wender, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, so we had this position coach, he and I, who, you know, he's from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. He's He, he said, listen, I want you guys to come up to the Upper Peninsula and, and see what I'm all about. Because if you see where I come from, you'll understand me a little bit better. And I'll tell you, it would have been really hard to understand that man without that trip. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, he actually taught me something that is like people, people like to work with people that they like more than they want to work with people who are smart. Uh, right. You know, it's like not everyone might uh, have a, a, what did he tell me, a, a computer chip brain like yours. And that's not meant to be <laughs> offensive, Joe, but um you know, just, just make sure that you're never talking down to anybody and that you're always, you know, that you're always working as a team. And so I, I would say that, you know, that, that team mentality that was instilled into all of us at Saginaw Valley really, really helped me to get to where I'm at today. And so, you know, the drive for success uh, academically was critically important to that as well. Um, you know, it, <laughs> Just to also respond to a couple of things, as Dan was talking about our relationship, we actually competed for a starting position, which we Dan did? beat me. Yes, Dan beat well, me. Well, I got lucky. Time. I was on one side, so I had a 50% chance of beating you, Joe. We had two positions. So, I mean, I don't know if I beat you out as much as I fell into the right spot. Well, my senior year, we were both starting, uh, but he started before our senior year. But then I did have more sacks than he did. So. That's true. See, <laughs> life's about competition. You beat me at the yeah. end, just like a NASCAR race. It don't matter how many uh, phases you win. It matters how many, uh, who's at the end at the beginning. Let me just say this real quick, Joe, because I want to talk. This is really important stuff, in my opinion. We've, again, we've known each other for a while. We got to, I was sitting down with another colleague of yours last week and it reminded me, I believe what you guys are doing is really important to sports and just people in general. So I want to talk about that. But I do want to talk a little bit about sports. You've seen some change. You know, me and you played in the two, early 2000s. I mean, hard to believe how fast it's gone now. Where have you seen college athletics primarily, college athletics or youth sports change in maybe the last 10, 15 years um, since make, comparing it to what we went through? You know, I, I think that, you know, my, my, my perspective on the change, I would say um, 
you know, I'm going to focus on the individual and people. I, I always like to focus on people and, and uh, try not to stereotype, try not to group everyone together um, and, and talk about my direct interactions with folks. Um, the college athlete today, um, and I know I'm going to sound like, you know, an old man or like when I was a young right. college athlete, what did the old guys say? But, you know, it just, I feel like there's a little bit more or a little bit less toughness, maybe a little bit um, more entitlement. It, it uh, you know, it's like college athletics and, and what are the reasons that you're, you're playing and why, uh, why do you want to be successful? Uh, success for the sake of success, being a right. winner for the sake of winning without accolades or, or um, you know, credit necessarily as much as just that intrinsic uh, feeling of success. It really feels like there's, um, and it's not just feels like as a whole, it's like talking to people as individuals, there's less of, uh, listen, I want to be a winner because I don't want to be a loser. I right. want to just, I, I, it's that intrinsic. There's a lot of outside motivations. Um, right. And I'm not saying that the next generation is, you know, a bunch of weak, vain people that are, right. you know, um, narcissists. That's not, that's not what I'm saying, right? And I'm not saying that either of us weren't, you know, narcissistic at all right. in our days. But it does seem like, you know, the, the, probably the probably one of the biggest differences is, is uh, you know, winning for the sake of winning just seems like a little bit less of a priority today than it was back when we were playing. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, again, maybe a little bit of a hard segue because what you're talking about is not as important as what we're going to kind of dive into here in a minute. You know, again, you know, I got a chance to sit down and talk to one of your, you know, your business partners and what you guys do with Match One Meta. You've been a great salesman. We talked about it earlier. And listen, I've even asked you for different things like financial advice in the past because we're close and we're friends. You've always been a good salesman. But what you're doing doesn't feel as much like a sale as it is you're trying to help and better people. Listen, what, what you've explained to me about what Match One Medical is about. Okay, I get it. But explain to maybe those that want to jump on and listen about how Match One Medical is working to help people with pain management, but then kind of deviating away from this, you know, epidemic that is opioid uh, abuse. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing with Match One Medical and how it can help people. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Match One Medical, it's, it's all about uh, speeding recovery so that you can, you know, either get back on the field faster uh, or get back to work sooner and not use narcotics. Um, I, I want you to think about, you know, like a policeman or a fireman, you, you can't be on narcotics and it'd be expected to go run in and, and right. save somebody's life in a fire, right? Um, so you, you, let's just say that, you know, you, you tear your rotator cuff doing anything, whether it's sports or at work, and, and you wanna get uh, back on the field or back to work incredibly fast, narcotics are gonna slow you down. Right. Um, they're gonna slow you down. They're also uh, very dangerous. Okay, uh, very dangerous, like, you know, uh, there, there's different literature out there, but I'll, I'll just use, you know, easy ratios that are very accurate. It's like one in 10 teenage boys that takes a narcotic gets addicted to it. And so it's like one in 10, that's, that's a lot. And right, so, yep. um, you know, our company values and it's like, you know, selling a knife, it's like, hey, it's a good product, it cuts, it's, you right. want to buy it, you know, it's pretty simple, right? right? Um, you know, at this point, it's more like we're on a mission. So it's like, yeah. you know, talking about our company values and what is our mission? Um, you know, our, our values are very simple. It's, it's, you know, treat other people the way you want to be treated. It's following the golden rule. You know, we, we don't reference the golden rule, but, um, there, there is a lot to that and, and to our, yeah. our core for, for all of us. And, um, you know, holding the title of director, it's like, we just hired, um, our CEO. He's a former Ohio state, um, football player. Okay. And, um, he, he, he liked, he liked those core values. It's like keeping it simple. It's important. Right. And then, so then what's the mission, right? The mission is to help the opioid epidemic. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I'm going to sum right, it up right, and right. help the opioid epidemic. And, you know, uh, addiction recovery, uh, talking about people who are already addicted, boy, that's a hard thing to solve, right? Yeah. But to never take the first pill and to help people, you know, be abstinent, prevention is probably the best solution, really. I was just going to say, this is, this is as much about prevention as it is trying to fix something. It's all that's about prevention, Dan. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is all about prevention. It, it's like, okay, just don't take the first pill. Right. And so, you know, when you think about, you know, I was talking about rotator cuff surgery, right? So if you tear your rotator cuff, you say, the doctor says, put your hand up in the air and you go like this. Right. Because you're, you're, you're torn right here, right? So right. You, you can't extend your hand, like raise your hand. You, you just can't. Um, so, um, you know, 
the idea of, okay, you have surgery, you're getting a cut, you're getting screws and you're getting suture and all this stuff to reattach your rotator cuff. That's super painful. It's yep. lots of swelling. So, so it's like, hey, do you really need to be a warrior and uh, go through all that without any pain medication? Um, you know, someone, some people would say, absolutely not. Take, take 90 Oxycontins. They're basically right. heroin pills. Um, it's, you know, and are you going to go through physical withdrawal? Studies show that you're going to go through physical withdrawal after 10 days of usage. Yeah. So not only mentally are you going to have the problem, you physically would have the problem. And if you don't need them, don't take them. So the right. idea is, is use the therapy. Don't even need the pill. Use the therapy first. If you don't need the pill, then don't take it. So we're on the prevention side of this in okay. a strong way. You know, here's the thing. And I think what you're connecting to is really important for everybody. I was hunkering down in that Detroit snowstorm that you guys apparently had a few weeks ago that was supposed to be like the snowstorm of all snowstorms. You guys got like two inches of snow. I mean, times have changed not only in sports, but also in how we value, yeah. you know, weather storms. But my point is I was watching a, um, a documentary on Bob Probert. Um, and you and me both probably remember Bob Pro. I was a Red Wings fan growing up. He was, you know, maybe he was, you probably remember him closer than I do, but he was a big fighter and had a lot of issues. Okay. He had a lot of issues, but one of the things his wife said in that documentary was the opioid, you know, addiction that is, that her husband got, she thinks had a lot to do with it being pushed on him. And that is a challenge. So if I'm a young student athlete and I have, I suffer an injury again, not for anything i'm playing football and playing basketball injuries happen okay the number one thing right is to go out and prevent even getting to the point don't even take that pill get yourself to a point where you're using something else so as a young student athlete as a coach maybe who works with how do i how do i get this message you know i'm this is great joe i'm hearing what you're saying but how do i make this change? Do I just call Joe Herman and say, Hey, how do I do this? What do coaches have that in their toolbox they can use to give to parents and student athletes, especially in my realm to help them not take that pill? Well, so that's an, a really great question. And, uh, you know, come on, grandpa, Dan, did you walk uphill both ways? Come on. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, there was a lot of ice, man. Uh, <laughs> so, Here's here's the uh, here's the answer. Okay, um, it, it's not call me. I'm not a doctor, right? Um, I'm not right. practicing medicine. I do know a lot about it. Um, but you know, the reality is, uh, you really need to be empowered to um, to not just. Uh, and boy, I'll tell you with with Google, it's like you can research things on your own so right. easily. It's right. Like you know, a, a medical library might be at your fingertips. But just right. really be empowered to think for yourself in a clinical setting. Um, you know, one of the, you would think with all the press that all the changes that need to get made would have been made and they haven't. So it's like, if you're a kid having surgery, or if you're a parent of a kid that's having surgery and, uh, you're forced to sign a disclosure that says the maximum number of Oxycontin you can receive is 60. And you must sign this, that you must sign this disclosure, uh, because it's hospital policy. Right. I'll tell you right now that the power of suggestion is, is, is real. And right. if I said to you, the most amount of money I can give you, Dan, is $60 for this interview, right. you're going to say, I want $60. Right. <laughs> right. So right. it's like that hospital, like, like th this is from a, this, this actually happened and it happened last year within my family and friends network. And, and I'm like, I, I called one of the executives uh, at the hospital just to report this and say, listen, you guys need to change this. Right. Don't force people to sign something that says the most they can get is 60. Now they're going to want 60 pills. Right, right, right. You want them to sign a disclosure that says they won't take the pills unless they must. Right. right. So the idea that, okay, you know, my son or daughter is going to have surgery because they tore the rotator cuff and it's a right. really painful surgery. Um, am I going to be... Uh, following the 1990s version of pain control, which is to stay ahead of your pain and take the pill before you're in pain so that you don't receive that pain. Absolutely right. not. That's what got us into this mess, right? right. Um, I mean, that and there's a lot of other things that I'm not going to go into. But, you know, the number one thing that, uh, that, that uh, young student athletes and parents and anybody that gets injured can, should, right. should really be doing is examining everything else and the potentially addictive thing should come last. 
Okay. So, I mean, is this something, okay, let's kind of segue to the, my next question of, is this something you just say to your doctor? I mean, neither, you said it earlier, neither of us are practicing physicians. Okay. If number one, if you have an addiction or you have somebody that you know is addicted, you need to, you need to seek medical help. Neither of us are going to dispute that. That's exactly what you need to do. But let's say again, we're on this preventative thing. Are you talking about, I'm a parent, should I be ready to kind of question my doctor and say, Hey, we, you know, are we making sure we're reading through these documents or is it really on the side of the doctors? Are you trying to tell the doctors that they should be cautious and how much they're pushing this on people? I mean, where does this fall as far as where does this prevention really start based off what you just said? Yeah. I mean, boy, I'll tell you, it's, it's all around. It's okay. all of the above. Um, you know, it's a lot of times doctors don't want to be told what to do. Right. Um, and, and neither do any of us. I mean, Dan, when's the right. last time you want, you're like, Hey, I want to be bossed around. Nobody wants Never. that. <laughs> Especially when you're the expert on something. Right. 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 So like you're the coach and then some, yep. some new recruits going to tell you what's what, you know, Bingo. so I would probably not go and tell the doctor what to do because that's not a good idea. Fair um, asking the doctor what's best. And so seeking to understand, um, right. you know, so it's like seeking to understand what are the best alternatives for pain control? You know, what's, what's the ideal situation? I mean, the reality of pain is, is it's, 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 um, it's nature or God or, or your bodies, whatever you want to describe it, it as a way of saying, stop doing this. Right. right. It's like, take your hand off the burning stove. Okay. Right. And then you take it off and you're still burning from that. You're still in pain from that burn, but then eventually your body heals and that pain goes away. Right. So, you know, it's pain is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, okay. it, you know, it's like Pink Floyd. We're all comfortably numb. Is that a good thing? <laughs> I mean, probably not. It's, it's like, so the idea that you're going to just never, you know, experience pain throughout your life is kind of crazy. So some of it might be, um, acceptance that, okay, you're injured, you're in pain. That's the way it's supposed to be. Um, and, and what can we do to, uh, to avoid anything having to do with addiction? Abstinence is number one. It's abstinence is really a, a good way to go. No matter, no matter where you're at in the spectrum of, you know, prevention or recovery. You're talking about collaboration. I mean, this is, and this is really, it's funny. Not, not, this is not funny at all, but this is a very important, but the connection that, I even use like communication. I mean, you're talking about communication. You're talking about collaboration. I mean, have we lost that? Is that where, is that what kind of has been a fault in this epidemic? I mean, it's an epidemic, you know, the opioid epidemic, even I, as somebody who don't, I don't have any um, insight or knowledge of this the way you do. It's an epidemic. You'll hear it almost anywhere, anybody you listen to. Have we lost kind of our connection between communication and collaboration? Is this kind of what this is boiling down to? Is this what I'm hearing? It might. It, I mean, it, it's, I think it's part of it. I mean, it's like, you know, medicine by uh, committee or by, uh, uh, you know, uh, standardization, standardization of care. Look, we're all individuals. Okay. Right. And so each of us should have a personal relationship with our physicians and right. our physicians should be treating us as an individual. Not, it's like, uh, you know, a public health person might treat the entire body as an individual. Right. Um, that's their job as a public health person. But your individual physician should be treating you as a person, as an individual, and, and, and looking at your exact situation. And so you, you being able to, um, or, or anyone for that matter, being able to uh, hold your physician accountable for, look, you're looking at me as a, an individual, right? This right. isn't a public health setting. This is me. And um, so, you know, speaking of are we in an epidemic or a pandemic, you know, from an opioid perspective, this is an interesting stat. You know, more people died of overdoses that are 45 and under last year than people died from COVID. Well, and that's a fact. Okay. Right. So it's like, you know, and, and okay, one in 10 teenage, teenage athletes that, uh, it's not teenage athletes, pardon me. It's, it's one, one in 10 teenagers uh, that take narcotics gets addicted. Well, okay. So what do we need to do? We need to stay away from the narcotics. It's pretty simple. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, it, th there are ways to do it other than you know, there are ways to, to have pain control or just accept that pain's going to happen um, other than taking narcotics. But, you know, it's like we're definitely in a pandemic, man. We're definitely yeah. in an opioid epidemic. The opioid epidemic's real. It's worse than it's ever been. Yeah. I mean, in our country's history, it is worse than it's ever been. Yeah. And um, it's just, you know, it's kind of I think people have lost sight on, OK, this is a real this is this problem hasn't gone away. It's gotten worse. Uh, the pandemic's well, made it worse. And, and so yeah. that's the state that we're in now. I mean, again, I'm as a 
layperson, even I've kind of heard that, but I do want to kind of wrap up here. And, and, and as we kind of, again, I think this is vital information for people to hear. When you talk about, I, I, I have aptly termed this podcast state of play, even just boiling it down to athletics. This is huge. If let's say this message saves one kid from ever taking a pill, whether it be for pain, post um, injury or, or surgery, we've, we've had a successful podcast and, and, and maybe this whole thing is worth it. So this to me, even though it may be a little heavy and it may be a little tough, this is really important, but you're also part of the American Foundation for Opioid Alternatives. This is a foundation you had mentioned to me a while ago. Again, kind of hearing what you do with Match One Medical, obviously a connection. Talk to me a little bit about the foundation and what you're doing with uh, the American Foundation for Opioid Alternatives. Yeah, so um, we, we've made a mission. So there's a lot of people whose insurance won't cover alternatives to narcotics. And it's, this is, you know, say, hey, the narcotic situation is it, it's problematic from so many different areas and, and we're doing all we can to fix it. So, you know, one of the things that we're doing is, is we're donating free of charge. We're, we're donating um, different modalities other than pills to uh, teenage athletes. Okay. So if, if, if a teenager's uh, going to have surgery, we'll donate them a device to, to, to use. They can use it before and after surgery. And um, so we're, 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 we're providing things to folks that, um, that need them. Um, they, they are prescription required devices, um, but you know, the expansion of uh, insurance to cover these things is, is very important. And so what we're, what we're really looking to do is, is not just provide them to, to athletes, but also study it and prove, okay, um, these, really, these things really work and they right. should have insurance coverage. Um, you know, so the American Foundation for Opioid Alternatives also is, is, is about education. Okay. And so we want to educate people. So I want to speak to something that I didn't really talk about earlier. And, uh, you know, I'm married, uh, you're married, you know, it's like, right. we, 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 we know each other's families. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest problems that um, you'll undergo uh, from a pressure perspective, it's like you're talking about Bob Probert. And it's like, okay, he was pushed to take pills, right? Right. And it wasn't just Bob Probert. I mean, it was it was everybody. It, right, it was, right. you know, um, they came up with the fifth vital sign. It's like, what are the vital signs? It's like your temperature, your heart rate. It's like th they came up with the fifth vital sign is pain. That shouldn't have happened. Like they've right. done away with that now. Um, so, the, so the pain pills were being pushed on everybody. One of the biggest challenges for people like us, should our sons need surgery one day, is going to be our wives right. saying, Oh, my baby's in pain. I right. don't want my baby to be in pain. Right. And simultaneously, you'll have a nurse in a hospital. It's like, oh, your baby's going to be in pain. You're going to need these. And so now you're going to have to kind of, not only are you going to have to stand up to the nurse at the hospital and their policy, potentially, you're also going to have to stand up to your wife. Right? right. And and so it's like, you know, hey, what's the risk and reward here? You know what I mean? And so it's it's one of those, there's, there's peer pressure from a, a lot of areas. And I'm telling you right now, your acceptance of pain and I'm going to recover in spite of it is going to get you on the field faster. Right. right. And, 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 you know, like, look, I'm not a doctor and there's no studies that say this, this is my personal belief, but it's like the, the more you use it, the faster it gets better in a lot of circumstances, that's completely false, but in a lot of circumstances it's completely true. Right. Right. So, so sorry for digressing and um, you know, but the American foundation for opioid alternatives, it's all about, um, helping people that are actively in recovery as well. The last time, the, the last thing you want to do is give a pill to somebody who's a recovering addict. Right. It's right. like, that's, that's a bad decision. Right. right? So um, we will also provide uh, modalities to them as well. Uh, okay. So those are the two populations that we're covering and, and we would love to expand that in the future, but those are donations and, and it is a charity and it's donation driven. So um, it's, it, it, it's very fulfilling. And I'm, I'm really lucky and happy to be a part of it. How do people find out information about the foundation? Is there a website? Yeah. So TOFOA, T-O-F-F-O-A, the, the American Foundations for Opioid Alternatives, okay. uh, just uh, dot, dot org, dot com. It's, uh, um, it's the acronym. Okay. okay? And if, if you spell it all out on Google, you'll find it. There is a website there. Um, it's, it's all in development. This is a, this is a really new charity. Um, you know, so it's, uh, we're, we're very proud of it. Good. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, again, neither of us are doctors. Okay. We both went to school for a long time. You did a lot better in school than I did, but even you didn't get your doctor. So we make no bones about the fact that neither of us are physicians. And again, if you have an addiction or you know somebody you need to seek medical help, 
and we both encourage that. But what you're talking about is prevention. And I think that's really good for the future of, you know, kids for the future of really just anybody moving forward. So I think the message is really good. Again, maybe you're not exactly, you're talking about a solution, but prevention, in my opinion, is like education. And that's the great solution for the future. Okay, so that's awesome. So I'm really enjoyed you coming on and talking about that, Joe. But to wrap up, okay, maybe another hard segue here. As we wrap up here for the last couple of minutes, I'm in the heart of Packer country. You got to talk to me about the solution for the Lions for next year. How are we going to get it done? Okay, I see you wear it. It looks like a lion. I can't tell if that's a lion's shirt. Oh, or yeah, not. yeah. Okay. So, uh, Bingo. Yeah. What is so, the solution for our Lions? Just like we're trying to provide solutions for people, what solutions do we have for our Lions moving forward? Come on, Joe, you got to give me some hope. Uh, you know, so for, for one, it's like, you know, you look at Cincinnati and where they were and where they are now. So there's right. always hope. I, there's I mean, always hope. There's always hope. Uh, Long, a lot know. of years of hope, Joe. I don't have another, I might not have another 40 <laughs> years of hope left. I mean, I am 38. So come on. I, my son wants to see a Super Bowl in his life, at least two. Come on. So uh, I, honestly, I, I think that leadership, it's, it, it's, it's got to start with leadership. And, you know, I, I don't think that we've done a, a good enough job of, of getting true leaders in that can lead an entire organization. Um, it's like, you know, the head coach is not supposed to do everything. There should be a, a supporting cast around them. Is it their is it their responsibility to make sure that their supporting cast is 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 uh, competent and able to manage the clock? I mean, is it 100% on the head coach? No, but the head coach does need to hold other people accountable, and right. who needs to hold the head coach accountable, right? Uh, it's like the GM, and who who holds holds the GM accountable? Uh, you know, it's the ownership. So it's like the Ford family and the Ford Field situation, and probably maybe some uh, some taking the hands off of the wheel from ownership and and okay. and you know maybe a management change from the top down is what's going to really, really help the, the situation. Cause you know, there's been one thing that's consistent in Detroit and, and that is that we have a really bad winning versus losing ratio. Right. So it's like changing, changing the leadership is probably what needs to be done in my opinion. Well, I was, I listen, I was, I was hopeful that your answer would be, we're going to draft one player and we're just going to win the Super Bowl next year. So now, you didn't you didn't exactly brighten up my day regarding the lines, but I'm not giving up hope. So hope maybe someday, maybe someday we'll get a turn. Yeah, well, you do you do live in Wisconsin now, so you, and we do have some connections to uh, the leadership over. That's right. I am not changing. I told everybody. Listen, uh, Matt Ruvell, Pat Cavanaugh, great human beings. Okay, but when I was born and raised. I was born and raised in the Lions. Those guys were not at the Packers at the time. I am not changing because here's the deal. In five, six, seven years, they could all be somewhere else. I'm not changing. All of our other friends can do that. I am Lions till I die. And my son wants to grow up and be a Packers fan. That's fine. Jessica, the kids, all that. Fantastic. <laughs> Lions, we're getting it done next year. I, I don't listen. I think I might be more positive, but we're getting one player in the draft next year and it's Super Bowl or, well, I guess it would be the Super Bowl 2023. I don't even know where it's being played. We're playing it. You heard it here first. Come on. You're wearing the Lions shirt. You're listen, supposed to I, I love the Lions. And listen, I'm from I'm East English Village. Okay. So Detroit. Ah, here proper. we go. Okay. Here so we go. Proper. The guys from oh. Gross Point, the guys from Sterling Heights. I'm not even from Gross Point. I'm from Harper <laughs> Woods. I, 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 you know, East English Village, Detroit proper, Harperhood, and I know I, I love the Lions. And when, listen, when the Lions aren't playing, I'm rooting for the Packers, uh, Steelers, or Cowboys. And I'm taking I, note like, of all you guys Detroit, that you jump, have to latch on to someone. I I'm mean, taking note of all you guys that jump ship. I'm taking note of all. And when we are in the Super Bowl next year, I'm I'm going on a podcast and I'm literally holding up a screen that says these are the guys that jumped ship and now they're coming back. So, hey, well, Joe, I won't be on it. You you can you can put my shirt on the picture. Okay, that's true. So, uh, that's true. Joe, uh, this man, was a hey, lot this of has fun. Been a great. Uh, this has been a great podcast. I know that we had a limited amount of time here. And well, no, uh, your, Joe, your message is really really good. And again, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna include your information both for what you're doing with Match One Medical and for the foundation for anybody that maybe has interest, they can look into that. I mean, again, when you're talking prevention and alternatives. 
I'm in. I think this is what we need to do. And again, I'm just thinking sport. I mean, you think a big picture, which is maybe trying to help people that have, you know, like you, you reference police officers and firefighters get injured in line of duty. It could be a construction where it could be somebody, you know, working in a shop that, that helps them stay off of that. They're just as important as athletes. Let's not discredit that either. But in my world of sports, I think it's, it's really beneficial. So again, Joe, thanks for coming on up next. Going to hear a little bit from our friend, Todd Harriman's. Then I'm going to wrap up with some things that I'd like to see changed uh, in the future of uh, college athletics. So stay tuned. Look forward to talking to Todd next. Welcome back to state of play episode two joining now with my good friend, Todd Harriman's farmer, former athlete. Did you say episode two? episode two season three episode two. Oh, oh my god okay <laughs> this isn't like the first one i've actually yeah i've got 20 some episodes todd welcome to the podcast thanks for joining us how are things over on your philly uh everything's great dude thanks for having me on um big fan big fan aaron aaron the net, the net where i think it's a, a huge gap that's being filled you know people come out of high school they don't know what the hell's going on with that whoop that's the Flip to the H-E double hockey stick there. What people may not know about Todd, I'm not going to say former, but former Bulldog, former Cardinal, and former Eagle, you've grown yourself all the way up. And what I like to, what I like to recognize myself, you know, okay, I've got a nice company that I think I'm growing. I played college football myself. But as the founding member of the Todd Harriman's fan club, me and your mother starting the fan club, we're still taking accepting members, by the way, too. So we're really excited to get some of the members membership rolling this year. Todd, what's that membership will- cost? It's, 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 we're keeping it pretty low. We're really trying to draw some people in. We've got a pretty, pretty hot deal sales going on. You grow up and I remember you playing football. We played against each other in high school. Okay. Yeah. And you played, we played against each other in basketball too. I was not very, I didn't play very much. You played. I kind of watched you play. You Dan played was what baseball. They would call one of those defensive specialists on the back. <laughs> I was a court. rebounding specialist. <laughs> I didn't get very many of those either. And you played baseball, multi, multi-sport athlete at Ravana High School, one of the, one of the best that's right. gone through Ravana. Okay. You went to Saginaw Valley, really good career, plays a true freshman, got drafted by the Eagles. Looking back on it all now, okay, it's been probably a whirlwind. You got a you know great family now, married, living out in Philly. What do you take away from all of it? What's the biggest thing you've looked back on that 20 or so years since you started this whole process? And what do you take away from all that experience? Wow. Where to begin? <laughs> um, you know what? I've, I've had a lot of time to ponder recently, you know, um, about, you know, things like that. I read some uh, philosophy books and stuff lately, try to get in real deep and to see like why I think the way I do and stuff. Um, the biggest takeaway for me, I feel like I never felt at any point like I was this dominant, like standout athlete freak of nature or anything like that you know i just felt like i was a grinder like i worked hard not to say that other people that don't succeed don't but you know i think when i got into the nfl i thought to myself like man any of the guys on my college o-line could be playing here with us at least you know on the practice squad servicing this kind of stuff but like none of them got that opportunity really you know i mean a couple guys uh, had a couple of pro day, um, went to and played the indoor league and stuff like that. But, and it just blew my mind. Um, and I guess what I kind of realized that it was just about opportunity. And that's, to me, that's life. Like everybody is always, everybody has opportunities constantly come their way to, right. you know, opportunities to turn the wrong way, opportunities to get right. lost or opportunities to turn the right way. Um, better themselves, take advantage of a situation, timing, you know, and I think that that's pretty much it. And I don't know, I don't know if I was able to recognize opportunity more or I was just, because I don't ever feel, it's weird. I don't feel like I was ever like just driven to be an NFL player. Like it just kind of was like the path. Like I I didn't even really want to play college football that bad. It was just kind of like, well, they showed some interest. So let's go do this. I can keep playing football. Um, And then when I was there, it was like the NFL was like, Hey, you want to play? I was like, well, shit. Yeah. Why not? Sorry about about that. That's number two. That's only two. Um, That's only two. Good. 
And so, it, you know, just all this time, all the players I've seen come through and stuff, it's like there are certain people that are wired um, differently. You know, obviously Tom Brady would probably be one of them. But um, for me, I never, I just feel like a normal guy that, you know, got a bunch of opportunities and, and continued to work and try to get better. And, and that's what turned into it. And so this is where it's going to do. You, do you feel any connected to either one of those levels? Like when you look back, like, do you feel more connected now to time in the NFL? You played for a long time. I mean, totally. am I doing my math right? You were 10 years with the Eagles and then a year with the Colts. So, like, right. you played there longer than you would have played at Saginaw Valley and Ravana combined. But do you feel a connection to right. any one of them that maybe puts you on path with where you are today as far as how you are as a father and a husband and a person more so than one than one the other? Tough question, but does one kind of resonate with you now still more than the other uh, experiences you have? Well, totally. Um, the Eagles, obviously. I, I mean, I feel like I did – the majority of my growth when I was in Philadelphia right. into becoming like, you know, a young adult. Uh, I was a young adult when I got there, thought I was way older than I was, you know, right. and you just go through all these growing pains. And I think a big reason for that was I was able, fortunate enough to spend 10 years at the same organization. Right. right. Um, another reason for that is because of who was in the organization, who was running it, you know, from the top down, the Lurie's, uh, Packer, Howie, um, Andy, you know, Juan Castillo, these are all just like stand up, really good people that um, had their players best interest in mind. Right. And um, so I think that that also helped me grow tremendously. But, you know, people ask me why I didn't go back to Michigan when I was done playing. I was like, well, I've spent, you know, the majority of my yeah. life here. So I would kind of yeah. feel out of place going back to Michigan, which yeah. you know, I still refer to as home and stuff. But um you know that's just basically it it's like i've spent so much time the majority of uh, i played eight years of football before i got in the nfl yeah, yeah. um or maybe 10 and i played 11 in the nfl so the majority of my football playing ever was here in the nfl so and i think also you know like i said majority of my growth happened because i was still you know able to be immature through college and high school yeah. you have these adult figures around you taking care of you especially like as a college athlete you know um you have like looser parents around you like your college right. coaches are like looser parents you know right. um evans evans was a huge impact on me um, right some people would be like well i don't know if that's you know he, he was a little bit of a maniac that, <laughs> that's what made him so great and um but he would do anything for us so, right um and then you get to the NFL and the parenting becomes even looser and you kind of realize like, hey, uh, they want me to succeed. But if I don't get my myself together, my stuff right. together, that I'm going to be out of here. So right. it, it puts the onus, it puts the onus on you a little bit more when you get to the NFL. I want to swing back around to the Eagles in a minute, but we were talking right before we started, because, again, we, we, we've known each other for a long time. We we talk regularly. I mean, not not daily. I message you. You respond every once in a while. But we talk. I'm bad we at talk, that. <laughs> we talk pretty regularly. We've known each other again since oh. we were in high school. Heck, we went on recruiting visits together. So we know each other pretty well. But you said something that was interesting to me before we got started. You grew up on a farm in Ravana. I've known your mom and dad for a long time. They're still a huge influence in your life. And here you are now, Todd, starting your own farm. How crazy is that connection? Here you are having raising your own kids. You just said it to me before we got going. Like, this is the only way I know to grow up. I mean, you didn't really change, if you know what I mean. Like you just talked about growing up, but here you are taking the influences of your family and your hometown and putting it into place in your own family with your, your, your kids and your wife and your family. How crazy is that connecting that dot where now you're the farmer? You're going to be out there chopping wood with your son someday, just like your dad was with you and your brothers. Right. Your brother. And it's like, that's crazy. Me. Yeah. Well, by design, you know, I, I, I have a shit ton I'm sorry. That's three. That's I three. Have so much. <laughs> I have so much respect for like my parents and like what they went through to raise us, you know, and I, right. I you know, I was talking to a couple of former players that, that are also retired now about like, you know, what do you do to like, if you had kids after you were done playing and they didn't see you working hard during your career or leading up to your career and stuff, like how do you show them that work ethic when you're done and you're retired and you've invested properly and you don't have to worry about punching the clock and, and doing that stuff, you know, are you going to sit around and make a couple of investments on your phone and then be lazy and watch TV all day? You know, is that really the, 
because kids don't listen to what you say. They watch you and they mimic everything that you do. So I really just am trying to, you know, they're so observant at this point. I think the best way to to teach them hard work is how my dad taught me is is on a farm, you know, burning hay or or scooping manure or building stuff or cutting wood, all that kind of stuff. It just builds character. So, you know, I'm just really, and it's bettering myself. I feel like rather than taking it easy, you know, I'm like, Oh, do I I need to work out anymore? No, I don't need to work out anymore. (laughs) But, but if I don't ever work out, is my son going to think it's important to work out? You know what I mean? So I started getting back in the gym. I'm trying to do it religiously. I make him come and sit in there and watch me and his mother while we work out and stuff. Um, Our daughter too, you know, I think it's very important. So that's just kind of how we've ended up here. And I know that was like a, a little bit of a ramble, but I don't remember no, exactly. Was what the awesome. was. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah, like, how cool is it that I'm doing exactly what my dad was, did with me? I texted him the other, I called him the other day and I said, man, there's so many times when I'm out tinkering on my farm that I just wish you were here tinkering with me because right. I need somebody to ask what the best <laughs> way to do this is and stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just kind of cool to be, to, to come full circle like that. Well, I will tell you what, that is, I mean, that that's everything to me, in my opinion, what you just talked about. But if you can get your dad out at the farm, it's your farm now, you can get him in the same cool hat that you're wearing. I will put him on the podcast and we will talk and your dad will become a bigger star because there's no way your dad's going to be cut. See, your hair is still in pretty good shape. I can't believe you're actually covering it up. It's still shorter than when you played in college. But if you can get yeah. your dad in one of those hats, man, that will be the next step as far as the evolution of the farm i gotta ask you two things i want to talk about before we wrap up i don't want to eat up all your time i know you got a really busy day uh coming up yeah a busy day of (laughs) remember that goat skit adam sandler goat skit (laughs) i knew where you were going there and we kind of got to move away from that we'll do that one off i gotta ask you about the eagles okay i am a firm believer Okay, they they had a pretty good listen. You make it to the playoffs. I, I don't. You're one. You're a couple of plays away. I don't care what anybody says. You just talked about it. You're probably more connected to the Eagles even to anybody. What do they yeah. need to do? How far away are they? I mean, I'm not going to necessarily go into players whether it's Jalen or not. I, they look like a good team, but the NFL is so thin, right? What do they got to do to take that next step to possibly win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Well, uh, that's the million dollar question right there that right. every Eagles fan wants to know. Right. <laughs> um, you know, one of the great, one of the big reliefs about being done with football is not having to concern myself with what they have to do anymore. There you go. So I have taken up like a little bit of a step back from, you know, so there was a couple of years as soon as I got done that I didn't really watch a whole lot of football. I would watch the Eagles when I had new friends that were playing and stuff. Right. And then um, I guess enough time away. Now I'm watching football every Sunday. I feel like a regular there you fan, you know, there you go. Um, but I just try not to be an overcritical fan. Um, right. Dude, I think it's positive. People were wondering if they were going to go 500 this year. You know what I mean? Uh, they made the playoffs. Uh, they had some, some very positive stuff, but going from year to year it's just so hard to determine there's so much swing from team to team i mean look at dude the Bengals are playing in the super bowl now you know what i mean so to say like oh jalen hurts isn't the guy or jalen hurts is the guy or or it's so hard for me to do that because i was on the other side for so long that i feel like everybody should get their shake um you know i think they need to to uh address a couple positions on defense um and i think their defense could be great i just you know there's so many things that go into it with contracts and cap and stuff that i don't even want to stress my brain out about anymore um but i like the core that they have i don't know is jalen hurts the guy that's going to be here for the next 10 years i don't know dude i don't know if he's a 10-year quarterback i thought nick Foles was gonna be right i was wrong you know but You know, Nick Foles has some success. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is a good player. Um, I love the receiver core. They're young, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's good to see that, that Gannon's going to be back for another year. Um, uh, Sirianni seems like, uh, you know, he seems like a player's coach. Uh, seems yeah. like the players are drawn to him. And I met him. He seems like a great guy, you know. Um, nice. 
I don't know. It's just so hard for me to be critical of people that I try to right. go in and be friendly with and, and hop into the locker room. And so that's probably why I don't do a lot of radio or TV around here. <laughs> the, I mean, the thinnest line in sports, right? Got to be NFL football. I mean, dude, I mean, you're talking about, oh, yeah. listen, I'm a diehard Lions fan. I know you're, I know you're an Eagles guy now, but like, I'm, I'm not talking about going from like two wins to the Super Bowl, but the thin line between that team that doesn't make it. Do people even understand how, how thin it really is? How like you're talking yeah. about it. Who, no. Jalen Hurts could take him to the Super Bowl next year. You just said it about Nick Foles. You just is it it's that thin, isn't it? It's it's that hard to figure yeah, out. Yeah, and 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 that's the beautiful thing about the game of football is right. there's this chemistry that nobody has been able to figure out. Right. I think probably the closest person that has been able to figure it out is probably Tom Brady because yeah. he's had success follow him and he's created success. Um, I think that he really understands certain intangibles and stuff about the relationships in the locker room and, right. and times of when and times when to break somebody down, times when to pick somebody up. You know, there's certain things in there that can't be taught. Um, right. They have to be learned or people just have a natural knack for them. But to say that, the, you know, Take Hertz out of the situation here. Who are you going to put in there next year? Right. They could do right. way worse. You right. could end up, they could, whoever you replace them with could get hurt. You know what right. I mean? Like there's just so many things. Somebody's game might slump off because they don't play well with mesh well with the next QB you bring in. So, right. you know, um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a crapshoot. The NFL is, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's so thin and I, I, I've always been a college guy myself and I enjoyed our experience. I never, I never even you know, coached or worked or, or obviously got a chance to play in the NFL. I've kind of followed your career and Johnny's career and Ravel's career. And now Matt's as a coach and yeah. stuff like that. But man, it seems so difficult. I want to kind of wrap up. With, I want to segue a little bit into you getting inducted this summer into the Muskegon County Hall of Fame. Okay. I'm really excited for you again. We're friends, but as a player, yeah. as a competitor, you, you had a great story earlier where you're talking about you didn't even know if you wanted to play college football. Here you are after, you know, a 10 plus year career in the NFL. You're going into the Muskegon County Hall of Fame because of your accolades. But again, I've always thought of you as a good friend and as a good person. What does that mean to you? And what does that mean to some of the young kids out there that there you go, just stay the course and things have a funny way of working out? I mean, what does that mean to you this summer going into the Muskegon County Hall of Fame? I think it's awesome. You know, it's a uh... It took me by surprise um, to get a phone call or, or an email about that and and just be like, you know, to let me know that I'm being inducted into the area with all these other great names and stuff. It's such an honor. Um, like I said, I've never felt like my, yeah, my path might be a little different than anybody else's, but I just don't feel like I am. So, right. you know, I was just kind of lucky to be in the situation. Um, but it's, it's awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's, I love the fact that, you know, it's, it's just a, a sports hall of fame because, you know, one of the surprising things I found out about myself after I was done playing, and this might go a little longer than you wanted to, but um, people ask me if I miss football and I, I don't miss football, which makes me realize and ask me if I want to coach. And I definitely don't want to coach. Um, right. There's this, and I, you know, you know, this more than anybody. There's a, there's a sliding scale for, the talent level that you work with versus the time that you have to put in. So like lower talent, lower time, you know, like say rockets, high school, whatever. Um, you get up into college um, with, a, with a, a higher talent. Um, then you have to put more time in your NFL coach, dude, you're sleeping in the office, you know, right. Right. and I don't have the patience as a person or the love of football to teach anything other than the top talent. You know, I, right. I have to, with people that want to be there that aren't there because their parents want them to be there and right. stuff like that <laughs> um so that just kind of nixed it for me and right. um when people ask me like it, it turned I, I i really appreciate the game of football and everything it did for me but i didn't play the nfl because i love football <laughs> you know awesome. what i mean it's like um probably the one reason that i like playing in the nfl that i ended up playing in the nfl obviously because other than size and strength and that combination it was just because i enjoyed <clears throat> proving people wrong right you know um i'll never forget uh i went to i chose saginaw over grand valley yep. and my one of my high school coaches was at a football camp and heard uh 
who maybe Brian Quinn or the Jeff O-line Quinn. coach, yep, Jeff Jeff Quinn, Quinn. the line coach for Grand Valley, was talking to him that I made a horrible decision that I'm never going to play it down in the NFL. Yep. I mean, that just stuck with me forever. Because I knew I you'd tell that story. It. I knew you would tell that story. It's a good story, though. I mean, it's true. But, like, you know, like, who are you? Right. You know, obviously, you've coached some players, and they've had some success and stuff like that. But this dude told me that I was going to go to Grand Valley and maybe play my junior or senior year. Yep. You know, and yep. I was just like, bro, I don't even like football that much to sit around and, like, be a practice dummy. So, like, right. unless I'm going to be playing in the games, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um so, you know, that I just have always felt, and then, you know, you get drafted, people tell you you're not going to make it or nobody from D2 makes it, you know, right. just constantly finding something to prove people wrong. And I guess that was probably my greatest asset into my success. Um, well, man, I'm excited for you. And I want to wrap up because I am excited for you to prove me wrong that you can successfully run a farm without your dad being there to do everything for you. So that is your next challenge. I'm telling you, there's no way you in your fancy hat and your Lululemon pants is going to be out there. I'll get out this of here, farm. <laughs> Come on, man. Dan, I'm, I'm putting in a, an actual corn patch and a pumpkin patch and a melon patch. We're going to have watermelons, pumpkins cantaloupe sweet corn all late harvest stuff because i gotta go up to michigan for the month of july you know i, I want to see i want to see video evidence or else i'm calling fake news on that one right there yeah. so i, <laughs> I demand I you i demand a follow-up yeah, todd this was awesome it's great to catch up man again i i don't know it's, i know dude. i do these things i don't know if anybody listens i know i get a few, you know few people every once in a while comment what you said about your parents and how impactful they've been on you I hope everybody listens to that. Not only kids, but parents. I mean, that's really a message for us and the next generation. Yeah. Look at the change we can have on our kids. So, Todd, thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy the rest of the winter, man. And, again, I'm super excited for you this summer to be inducted into the Muskegon County Hall of Fame, man. Very proud of you, brother. Am I going to see you in Muskegon, Dan? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what my busy schedule looks like at that point. Right. So I'm just, you know, we'll see if I can make it back, man, I'm sitting there for you. Uh, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun to get back there and, and seeing everything, man. Thanks again. This was a lot of fun. Great catching up, Dan. Thanks, my friend Todd Harriman's jumping on, talking a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles, his experience, everything that you know you you, you would expect from a professional athlete. And that perspective was really fun, really great to uh, kind of hear his thoughts and kind of get a chance to get his perspective on things. Uh, again, as we wrap up here, that first message from my friend Joe, um, kind of unique to have two former uh, Cardinals on. I, I have a lot of the former players that I've worked with, but had people from all all different uh, realms of of life and work and business, but it's been fun to have two of my former teammates on, uh, guys that I still keep up with to this day. Um, so thanks to Joe's message about prevention and doing what we can to maybe try to help moving forward in the area of the opioid uh, epidemic is crucial. I, I would encourage any parent, any high school coach to reach out and, and look at ways that we can help uh, to avoid uh, that epidemic because his talk of prevention is, is key. I want to wrap up here. This is going to be very brief uh, as we kind of conclude this episode of State of Play. You know, College athletics are trending in the oddest direction. Um, for anybody that maybe follows it, there's just so many moving pieces. Uh, just this past week, I saw an article where an, an, an athlete advocacy group sued the NCAA saying the student athletes should be employees. Uh, following the Caleb Williams transfer saga, and, and again, I guess maybe more drama than it is saga. And Caleb Williams seems like a very nice kid. The NIL stuff, it, to me, it's getting to a point where I'm just going to say this, break away and create your own level. And as the new constitutions are, are close to being formed, I, I think you're going to see that I am begging major college sports, break away. I can't, I don't want to be a part of uh, that level of confusion and what are we if you want to be a high paid athlete but you can't go to the nfl yet because of their rules remind you it's the nba and the nfl's rules that are restricting them from going in it's not the ncas people sometimes get that all distorted the ncaa is not stopping young man or young woman from going to the nba or wnba too early it's those professional leagues that collectively bargain those and are we going to bring that down into college athletics just go away if you want to be a top 200 athlete, football, men's and women's basketball, and you don't want to go to school, then don't. I am begging the leadership of college athletics, just break away. 
create some form of a minor leagues. I want the pageantry and the tradition. And if that means all I have is to watch Whitewater and Oshkosh and Carroll University and Saginaw Valley and Wayne State and IUP, then that's fine for me. Uh, my life will go on without watching Oklahoma and USC. I watched every minute of that Michigan beatdown in the Final Four. I'm going to get to do that. But if this isn't about tradition and this isn't about pageantry anymore, I don't want any more of it. The Caleb Williams transfer drama was so exhausting. And he seems like a nice kid. But I think it was perpetuated by the people running this. Lincoln Riley. It sounded like his dad was driving this. Coming up to Wisconsin and the people that were putting together the dog and pony show. I wanted to ask anybody this, and this is not a shot at Caleb Williams as a human. It's a shot at him as a player. How many conference championships did Caleb Williams win? The answer is zero. He's a good player. He's very talented, but it's just wild to me. What we do and who we choose to make the greatest this and the greatest that, and then when they don't reach that level, how we crush them. Does anybody remember Spencer Rattler at this point? It was probably less than a year ago, he was the Heisman favorite at Oklahoma, beat out by Caleb Williams, who's now in the drama transfer portal going to USC. What are we doing? This is not college athletics as I embrace it. Going to the Wisconsin women's basketball, uh, women's volleyball matches this year and watching the team that eventually played and won the national title was awesome. They seemed like they cared about the sport. They were enjoyable to watch. They played with energy. They communicated. The field house was full. The band, the students were there. People seemed like they were invested in them being student athletes. Why is that not enough? I just don't understand the people that there always has to be more. Make these kids employees. You people in this advocacy group have lost your compass. You are completely crazy. You want to make these student athletes employees. And I, on the day I read that article, I listened to Dusty Dvoracek on ESPN U Full Ride on Sirius XM talk about these kids have it pretty good. Why are we doing this? And that I, you might want to be careful going down this road. And he used the word slippery slope. I don't think it's a slippery slope. I think it's a cliff. And I think the people that continue to advocate to push these kids for more, 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 they're exploiting you, they're taking advantage of you. Remember student athletes, the people, and Dusty Dvorak said it on Full Ride, on Dan, Dusty and Danny in the morning, excuse me, Dusty Dvorak said it, the people that are going to win are going to be the lawyers. It's not going to be the student athletes or the athletes. It's not going to be the athletes. It's the adults in the room that are destroying these kids young men and women's opportunities to live their lives. Awesome, Caleb Williams transfer, fantastic. Just make a decision and go. What are we doing? And if I have, and like I said, and I'll, I'll wrap up, because I could talk about this for hours. I'm not going to, it's gonna be a very short segment. I'll sit, I'll just keep going to Whitewater games. I'll go to Carroll games. I'll just embrace the youth sports around Waukesha more. I'll go to Waukesha North and Arrowhead games and Catholic Memorial and Brookfield Central games. I'll go up to Port Washington and watch the way they play the game. I'll go down to Oak Creek and watch the way they play the game. Because as, as I talk to their coaches and I talk to their families, th these people actually care about being a student athlete. And what we are doing to that top level of college athletics, I'm done with it. I'm over it. If you all want to sit here and embrace 24-7 star rankings and you live your life by that, if you want to bet on college athletics, have at it. Have a nice life. Good luck in your life because you have a moral challenge that I don't know if I want to, I don't want to be around you. I have plenty of people that I'll talk to that I have, I don't need, I don't have very many friends. I sure as heck don't need very many, but I have plenty of people that I can talk to and we'll just talk about the value and the love of playing the game. Okay. Again, I hate to use the word love because we shouldn't be using that when it comes to sports. But you people that have taken this to the extreme, listen, the portal is what it is. I talk about it and I work with it in a, in a, in a consulting role that I do because it's what it's been created. I don't have a choice. The NIL, I work with it because I don't have a choice. You people are crazy. You people are completely insane with what you guys think we should just always, always separate. These student athletes are being exploited. Student athletes, open your eyes. You are being exploited now by the lawyers and all these people that are part of these, these groups that are taking advantage of your name, image, and likeness. I mean, it's insanity. We turn around for years and we say the NCAA is exploiting, and I'm the only one that it appears realizes that everybody else now is exploiting these student-athletes, but now it's okay.
No, it's all right. We're an advocacy group. And you're going to make them employees? We've lost it. And I don't want any part of it anymore. Again, Whitewater, I can't wait to come down and see some games next year. As long as you keep uh, coaching and, and running your kids at a student-athlete approach where they care about their program, the tradition of that university, that school, and they just go out and play the game the right way. And if you win, awesome. And I know expectations always are what create this. But this is insanity. This is complete insanity, what we're doing to college sports. I'm not down with it. I, I have to. I have to work with it because in my role with Aaron, I work with high school coaches about what the best steps are moving forward. But in very few cases do we even touch those levels anyways. And you know what the reality is? I'm in. I can't, I'll go watch a game at Carthage. I'll go down and watch North Park. I'll watch North Central. I'll drive all the way over and watch Alma. I'll see Coach Sturzman at Hope play. And I'll be happy to go to one of their basketball games or volleyball games. This is insanity. I'm going to start embracing lower level sports more than ever because what we have done as adults to destroy what is great about something. Okay, I under we opened up name, image, and likeness. We have allowed the kids to transfer. Why do we always have to keep changing? What is wrong with you people? And I really mean that. And I think ESPN has a huge chip to play in this. Okay, all this drama is only enhancing them. You think it's bad for 24-7 sports, the transfer portal? Come on, people, open your eyes. The people that I've got to meet in 24-7 sports are really good people. But as a business, as major media of, uh, companies, I think we're really, I'm, I'm concerned, and I'm just going to start shifting my focus to other places. I, I don't know who will listen to this. I, I don't know who, who will even listen to one word I'm saying and say that makes sense. Probably nobody because it'll get overshadowed by the other 50,000 um, messages that you hear on a daily basis. But I just don't understand the direction of major college sports. Why is it so bad? Why is tradition, pageantry, uh, the value of your networking not just as valuable as making millions of dollars? I, you, who's to say you won't make millions of dollars after your college career? Why are we on this? That we always need to say that these 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 kids need more, 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 when in fact the adults are the ones that are taking advantage of these kids. Dusty Dvorak said it right on Danny and Dusty in the Morning on ESPNU, SiriusXM, ESPNU channel. I think it's channel 84. Okay, because I listen to it. I think they're pretty sharp, actually. They have it pretty good. Why are we always doing this? I don't want any part of it as far as you're not going to get my you know ticket spend. I'll go watch you know Albion. Uh, I'll drive over and see Concordia, uh, University of Chicago. I mean, to me, I, I'll go down and watch Lake Forest play if this is what it's going to come to. I just, I just don't understand why we continue to do this. So for all those who think that college athletics are like just this horrible machine and they're exploiting these kids, we've got to stop this. It's complete insanity. And, and I think the people that are spreading that message, you have, a, you have a serious issue. And I think you really, you know, for all intents and purposes, you need to check your moral compass and what's really important to you. Because my goodness, go to Ann Arbor and watch Michigan Stadium be full on a Saturday. And the way that people cheer for the logo and the kids that get to wear that logo, is that such a bad thing? You know, get a chance to go over and I wouldn't sit in the Izzone, you know, but go to the Breslin and watch that environment. Yes, Coach Izzo's making millions and millions and millions of dollars. And now those kids can make money off NIL. But even before that, were their lives so bad? Were their lives so bad? I just, I just don't love the direction we're going. So I'm begging people that are involved in these major sports, the highest levels, just break away and do your own thing. Just break away and be the Wild West and let it be minor league sports and start setting contracts with kids to go to school. If that's what it is, fine. Have at it. Good luck. Get lawyers involved. Let people be destroyed by lawyers and the, the, destroy the love of the game because of all this stuff. Have at it. I'll, I'll be down. I'll be up at Stevens Point. I'll be going to watch the Pointers play. Okay, I ain't interested in this anymore. Going to Wisconsin was fun and watching a football game last year, but if that's what this is going to, I'll go somewhere else. I have no problem doing that. So for anybody that gets a chance to hear this message, make a decision for yourself with what you want from college athletics. Stop listening to the mainstream media tell you what it has to be, because I 100% disagree that these student athletes are being exploited to such an extent that they have it so badly just because, God forbid, their head coach makes millions of dollars in some of the sports. And we're going to talk in football and men's and women's basketball, okay? 
By the way, go look at any CEO at any company out there. They make a lot more than the person working on the floor. I know that, especially with the business I work in. The people treat me great, so I think it's a phenomenal opportunity for me. So we've really got to just break away. Go away, do your own thing. That's my message to anybody that really wants to. I just I have wrapped my head around this whole Caleb Williams transfer, the new constitution that's going to come out here in probably the next few months and really change college athletics in the next two to three years for the future. Just break away. Do your own thing. I don't, I don't want to be any part of it as far as I don't really care what you do. If you have games, I'll watch on TV. Yeah, absolutely. I'll watch. Okay. But the reality is I'll take my money somewhere else if this is what this is always going to be about, changing and always adjusting pageantry, tradition, being a student and learning and getting the opportunity to be a better human and a better person in society. There's a lot of value to that too. I'll pay for that. So for any colleges out there that you believe in that aspect, send me a season ticket brochure. I'll be happy to pay to come watch some kids that don't care just about making money while they're in college, that they care about going to school. I'm in. Send me a student, send me a uh, season ticket package. I'll buy at least one ticket because those are the type of programs I'm interested in. If you are, I encourage you to do the same. If you're not, sweet. Follow all the media. Get all excited. Go all, do all the betting. Have fun with your life. Don't call me. I'm not interested in hearing from you. So again, as we wrap up today, I hope you enjoyed the, the, the talk with my friend Joe. Maybe a heavy topic, but an extremely important topic, not only to sports, but to society. And to me, I do kind of touch on the sports. I was kind of bring it back to sports. If that can help or stave off, stage off one student athlete from ever taking an opioid, I think there's value to it. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a medical doctor. If you have an addiction or if you need help, seek medical help immediately. Please get help if you are in that boat. But if this can at least open your eyes to ask questions and understand the ramifications um, of, of possibly taking any opioids, then then, then please do that and, and, and get a chance to visit uh, the website that, uh, that I provided with Joe's information, the foundation, and get a chance to take a look at some of those alternatives if that option is, is what you feel is best for you and your family and your medical care. Thanks to my friend Todd for jumping on. Boy, we have some um, good stories as far as our time in college. I, we had a pretty good run. We were, we were a, a very, you know, successful team at the division two level. Um, I'm very proud to have got my best of Todd in high school and I'll never forget. He's long forgot it. He's moved on from that. He's, he's been very successful, but boy, even going back for me and him as friends before we even knew each other, we were playing against each other. And, and, and I, I referenced that as, is how that really connected our friendship and our, our ability to really be great teammates as we uh, played at Saginaw Valley together. So for anybody who got a chance to tune in, thank you. Uh, enjoyed it. Hope you uh, take a few things away from it. Get a chance to talk to you all next time.